right, everybody, welcome back to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And it turns out we ended up taking another couple-week break. Um, I'm sorry about that. That's my fault. You were promised a Caddyshack cast podcast, and one was recorded with my friend Chris. Technical difficulties, unfortunately, uh, made it unusable to use that recording, so I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry to Chris. I asked him to do that, and he agreed and screwed it up. But uh, <laughs> but we figured we it got, out. We got the problem figured out. So this episode should be good, which is good because this is a, a big one. I know. For a while. Avengers. Infinity War. Part one. Well, it's a part one. I don't think the next movie is going to be called Infinity War Part Two. I don't know. Well, it was originally called Infinity War Part One and Two. Right. I they... know it's going to have another like subtitle, mm-hmm. um, which has been previously. Uh, kept under wraps yeah they say the russo brothers the directors have said that they're not revealing they didn't want to reveal what the name of the next avengers movie is because it potentially could be a spoiler of some kind for what happened in this movie i guess that is correct so but anyway big movie we've seen it a couple times now we had to i feel like i even need to see it a third time because i was still so overwhelmed by like everything i was seeing it's great it um yeah so i can't it's wait to see it again so much it was just so big and yeah. so much I, the first time we saw it i couldn't even really talk about it it was <laughs> so we just needed that extra time and mm-hmm. we gave everyone who listens that extra time to try to get out there and see it hope you did Fast, that's right fastest movie ever to make a billion dollars so. i know i feel like we we uh gave you two weeks opportunity to go see the movie Mm -hmm. before you listen to this because there will be spoilers yes oh yes oh it's my our friends karen and travis finally saw it yep last night Mm -hmm. and apparently they got home and travis immediately went to see if we had made a podcast about it yet (laughs) so so don't worry travis it's coming all right but it is the cool beer and cool movie podcast and we went and picked out a couple of uh, beverages that we've not had before that's right from a couple portland breweries which we, I know we've talked about my brewing, uh, the beer that I picked, bef- um, that brewing company before. Uh-huh. As, as mine. As so. A, yeah. So why don't you go first? I okay. think I went first last time. All right. So I, and there's a reason why I picked out this one. It, this is from Hub. Uh, it's an acronym, stands for uh, Hopworks Urban Brewery uh, from here in Portland, Oregon. And I picked this beer because uh, this is Hub's 10th anniversary much mm-hmm. just like Marvel Studios, tenth anniversary, their 10th anniversary right. this year. When you see when you see Infinity War, they show the Marvel logo and like the IO and Studios is the number ten. So on the bottle, it has their tenth Hub's tenth anniversary logo, and this is the Moment of Clarity Imperial IPA. This is a series of beers that they refer to as their Imperial Hop Experiments. Ooh, interesting. Uh, there is nothing about this beer on their website. <laughs> which I found funny, I look, unless I'm missing something. I looked through it for quite a while, and I could not find it. Uh, so it's 8.6% uh, alcohol by volumes. An Imperial IPA, they're pretty high when it comes to that. I can't find it anywhere where it says what the IBU number is or anything. But they do have a meter on the side called the Dankometer. Oh, and yes. they say it is 100 on the Dankometer. Oh, now, Hub's a cool brewery. You know, we've talked about them before. They're a, they're a B-certified corporation. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of charity work. Uh, they got a bunch of stuff happening this year for their 10th anniversary. They already had a beer fest for Earth Day. 
Um, they're doing a Salmon Safe IPA festival in August. Oh, cool. So a charity for, uh, for salmon uh, waters and fisheries. And then the Cascadian Beer Fest, which will be in November sometime, brings together 20 breweries across the bioregion of Cascadia to brew limited edition Cascadian beers using only ingredients from Cascadia. Those of you at home wondering, what's a Cascadia? Where is this mysterious wonderland? Um, the Cascadian region has various borders depending on whom you ask. Hub defines it as within the bioregion of Northern California, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and Southern Alaska. So beers made using only ingredients from that stuff. Another charity thing for their 10th anniversary. The beer itself, I use. I said all that extra stuff about Hub because the beer itself is unfortunately, eh. It's fine. It tastes like <laughs> any other Imperial IPA I've ever had. It does not hit a hundred on my personal dankometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, um, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, like too much. You know. It's like there's no discernible flavor that comes out. Oh, okay. It's fine. I mean... (laughs) I love it. It's fine. Yeah, I was hoping for something a little more crisp, I guess. And it's Mm -hmm. just just kind of muddled, typical Imperial IPA. But, you know, the bottle's cool. Some of the money that from this beer goes to a charity. It's just Hub is known for. So anyway, that's what I had. Moment of Clarity. Awesome. Celebrating Hub's 10th anniversary. All right. Um, well, I also was very particular about the reason I picked my beer. Indeed. Um, and that is because of the name of the brewery. Um, I picked my beer. It is a dry hopped Imperial Red from Stormbreaker Brewery. Yes. So um, Stormbreaker is from Portland. It's in North Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, we have talked about this brewery before because we're both pretty intrigued by it. And we've had a couple of different beers. Um, but the the one time or two times we've tried to go there, things have been happening and it just hasn't worked out. Yes. Um, so I picked uh, this beer because um, of Thor. So, yes, something in the movie. Uh, yes, as we will learn uh, later on, Thor, Thor gets uh, a new hammer, mm-hmm. and this one is called Stormbreaker. So I felt that this was a great brewing company to choose for this yeah. week. Um, but they're, they named their dry hop Imperial Ale, or Imperial Red. Um, it is called Good, dot, 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 not great. Interesting choice. And that was a hard thing for me because I was like, I really want this beer, but they have titled it Good, Not Great. So I'm not really sure that's an excellent selling point. Right. Um, But yeah, so they describe this as um, they took their red uh, beer, red ale, and bumped up the grain bill and the kettle hop additions for an intense hoppiness complemented by a spicy dryness from the rye, but balanced nicely by malty caramel flavors. Okay. After fermentation, we got hop crazy and dry hopped this beer with three pounds per barrel for an explosion of tropical fruit and a citrus nose. Um, So this is, like many imperial beers, 8% in alcohol by volume. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it has 76 ABUs or IBUs. So I thought, oh, I'm going to like this. That's pretty good for a red ale. Yeah, it's pretty happy. I know I'm going to like it. Um, 
But I have to say, it is in fact just good. But not great. But not great. Oh, so it wasn't just a clever name. It was... It was accurate. Accurate. Well, yes. Well, hey, you know, transparency. Good job. You know, I know. Being I was honest about it. I will say, though, I was really excited to be like, this beer is good, not great. Unlike the movie, which is great, not yes, just good. good. Um, but they took that away from me because this beer is, in fact, just good. Just good. It's, it's just, it's not quite as flavorful as I like them to be. It is hoppy. Um, but it's almost... Um, oh, that's weird. Did you, yeah. It just take a sip of it. It tastes weird to me. It is It is a different taste. Yeah. It's not... Malty. Yeah, it's not bad. But it's almost as if the maltiness of the red um, cancels out some of the hoppiness and some of the flavor. Yeah. So um, so they, they were very honest and truthful in their naming, which I appreciate. So good, not great, is just that. Um, but we are still fans of Stormbreaker Brewing. Oh, yeah. Um, and they do have some really great IPAs that I love. So, okay. I am not done with you, Stormbreaker. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, one other thing before we get to the movie stuff, there's like going to be, a, we're going to re- try to get through this section pretty quickly. Any uh, new movie news things? Uh, I'm going to keep it Marvel related because okay. of Avengers. Uh, now, last night, I, was it yesterday? I think I saw that you watched the new trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's it's got Michael Pena in it, featured a little bit more, mm-hmm. and he is just delightful <laughs> in this movie. Um, I mean, I really liked him. I thought he was an unsung hero in the first Ant-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because he's he's so funny. Um, and he's, he's featured in the preview, and he's just as good. So... Um, I like it even more. Yeah. I'm really excited. I can't wait to mm-hmm. see it in a few months. Um, and I hope that it will do a good tie-in to next year's um, second p- uh, part two of Infinity War. Yeah, Avengers 4, whatever they end up calling it. I'm it's... just going to continue continue to refer to it as Infinity War Part 2. Okay. Because the war is not over. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's officially been said that this is set prior to this mm-hmm. move to Infinity War. So it'd be interesting to see where it, like how far. Right. Like, and if they do any sort of, you know, post-credit something that ties into Infinity War. But the it's, I've also seen it said online that this is like the palate cleanser that Marvel fans need after what happened in Infinity War. Well, I think any Ant-Man is going to be a palate cleanser. Right. Um, because it's, it was such a, fun and funny movie when it first like the original one was Mm -hmm. um i think that i would like it i mean i agree it's supposed to take place before infinity war but i actually think it would be great that it ties in um because there's a moment in infinity war where they explain that um he is on house arrest that ant-man is on house arrest and supposed to be um after the event's of civil war civil war so clearly if you've watched the trailers we know that that house arrest quote unquote is probably not um happening Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't be surprised if this kind of takes place between civil war and leads up to infinity war yeah yeah it looks uh, a lot more fun 
craziness with shrinking things. Yes. That looks so that looks cool. And uh, the character that Lawrence Fishburne is, I am assuming, is playing is pretty great. I'm glad that they putting that guy in a movie. Yeah. Because they the way they killed him off in the comics was kind of kind of bullshit. <laughs> so um, um, I am excited to see more of Evangeline Lilly. She's got some oh, yeah. great um, one liners in the trailer. So mm-hmm. I just and the more I see of her as the Wasp, the more excited I am. Uh, only other thing I was going to bring up before we get into Infinity War. Uh, was the there's a rumor that Marvel has already spoken to like 65 different people about directing the Black Widow movie. <laughs> okay. So if that's true, that's apparently that's a, they're serious about it. It's not just some sort of oh we're thinking about a Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they if that's true and they have already made you know spoken to that many people about the job, then. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to see a Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that Patty Jenkins did an amazing job with Wonder Woman. So I think it would be really cool if they found maybe a woman to direct the Black Widow movie. Yeah. Because I think that it might just add that, you know, that female perspective of of what what and how... Uh, things should be happening and um so i it would be awesome yeah all right so that's all i got for that okay <clears throat> so let's go ahead and get into uh the biggest movie ever i, I mean it's I breaking know. every record ever avengers infinity war um now before we get into it if you haven't listened to this before uh we've each come up with uh three of our favorite bits or things about the movie that we enjoyed we haven't shared them with each other before now um, if you haven't seen this movie yet, what is your deal? Um, <laughs> go, go see, see it. it right now. Uh, we're not going to hold back for any sort of spoiler reasons. Um, we gave you two things. weeks. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then, uh, and then we'll go from there, and then we'll also discuss anything that we maybe didn't like um, at some points. So um, now, normally we also try to kind of summarize the movie. Gosh, I don't even know if there's a way to summarize this movie, um, mostly because I would I would expect that if you're listening to this podcast in particular, uh-huh. um, you've seen the movie. Yeah. In fact, I'm just going to recommend right now, go ahead, hit pause on this podcast, um, go to the movie theater, watch this movie, and then come back yeah. and hit play. Because it's... It's so big and so much happens. I don't, I mean, I would, it would be a rambling mess if I tried to summarize it, if either of us tried to summarize it. So I think we're just going to go ahead and get into our, our three things. That is correct. All so right. what were your top three? Well, well, let's go with number one. All right. Well, I'm not going to do them in any sort of ranking, but, uh, so the first thing I'm going to say is, um, the character that's essentially makes or makes or breaks this movie and how well they pull it off and it's and it's just the character of thanos dang it that's on my list too i mean incredible i mean i uh josh brolin is apparently was the right guy for this he really was his performance uh, along with uh the motion capture technology which is incredible i mean you can you can definitely see brolin's face Mm -hmm. through the purple cgi and he just, in this, you know, 10-foot-tall monster character, you know, was able to show 
um, you know, real emotion. You know, it shows like serious, like, serious, it's cruelty, a dark sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell there's there's times where like where he doesn't even say a word. He just kind of takes a moment, pauses, and he's smiling, and you know he's like you know that the wheels are turning. Right. There's a you know he's he's calculating, and you can see it play through. The face, mm-hmm. even though it's not actually Josh Brolin's face, or I don't know how you describe it with the motion capture, but um, yeah, it's just an incredible performance. Even though he's the villain, he has some, this charisma mm-hmm. about him. I mean, the best parts of the movie is when he's there, right? So it's not like you're rooting for him, but you enjoy him in a way, even though he's on screen. He's a compelling villain. Yeah, and I know that's been a critique of uh, Marvel movies. Throughout their history. Um, and he is, he's a compelling villain. Yeah. And so, yeah, especially the, um, I th- I think one of my favorite things that he says is when he takes, he kidnaps Gamora and he meets Peter Quill for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, on the boyfriends, right? right. Just kind of the way he kind of like, I could squash this human man like a bug. If I wanted to, but he amuses me, and right. he even says it before he vanishes. I like him, right? And he disappears, and it's just totally. I mean, Peter Quill is a mess. You know, he's like, you know, I promised to do this thing, I can't do it, and he's taking the woman I love away to do, and who knows what's going to happen. And but he, he tries to yeah, honor his promise. He That's does. That's important. And uh, just, but just the look on his face, and just the way he just says it, you know. I like him, you know, as a, a way no father. <laughs> right. No, I thought it was great. I thought it was very much the way a father would interact with his daughter's boyfriend. Uh-huh. Like this idea of he starts with, you expect too much of him, daughter. You know, oh, like yes. That's, that was great. How your boyfriend yeah. is ridiculous. Of course, you can't bo- fo- expect him to follow through. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then, kind of at the end, he's he changes his mind. Yeah, it's it's in that way as adults, and you know, I, I have a daughter, and it's very relatable in a weird way, even though he's <laughs> clearly a psychopath. Yes, <laughs> you know. So, anyway, so that's what I'm I'm going with as my my Your first, first one. one? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because you and I do not talk about these no. before we sit down to do this podcast. But Thanos is also my was also the first thing that I wrote down that I really liked about this movie. Okay, um, I was nervous going into it. Um, there'd been a lot of critique of the CGI and worry, like he's he doesn't have his ba- all of his armor on like he does in the comics. Uh-huh. You know, there's been mocking of his chin. You know, and Quill even makes a quip. About his chin, which is... Pretty solid testicle joke. Yes, which is hilarious. That's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, Josh Brolin did a great job. He, if, if they don't pull off that character, then this movie's not... Right. It becomes a kind of a, like, overall a joke. Yeah. Um, something to mock a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they pulled off a great mad titan mm-hmm. um and he's a sympathetic you know mad titan you know he he lost his home world he's the last of his species um and so you can see like oh you know i think 
that may in fact cause somebody to go off the deep end and be a little crazy. Yeah. Um, he is absolute in his belief that he's right. As all, all as all villains as, are, as ad, all madmen are, right? Um, Real and imagined, you know. But he is also trying to do what he thinks is best for the universe, not for him personally, mm-hmm. not for his. You know, like I'm going to be the most important person. He's not trying to make himself a king. He's doing what he thinks is best for the universe. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, he and so in pursuit of that he truly believes that's his destiny is to bring balance to the universe um and so he he at the same time that you see every facial expression every look of amusement of sorrow of regret of anger Mm -hmm. um he is merciless in his goal to succeed you know, and he mentions at one point in time, um, I ignored my destiny once. I cannot do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also um, has this paternalistic treatment of like the um, people who oppose him. You know, so at one point in time, when Wanda at the end of the movie is oh right, um, try you know she has to destroy the Mind Stone to be able to. Which which destroys the vision, right? To destroy the vision, whom she loves, mm-hmm. um, and he she falls to the ground, collapsing, and and he like gently like caresses her hair, you know, pats her on the head, and, mm-hmm. and, and almost as as like a regretful father, like oh, I'm sure that was really hard for you, like you know, there's a little bit of pity in him, yeah, um, and part of that is because he's like, and you did all of that for nothing. Um, but then, you know, he loves his daughter, Gamora. And it's clear that while he has other children, you know, there are the children of Thanos, the Black Order, that um, play a great role in this movie. And there's Nebula, you know, yeah. Gamora's sister. Yeah. Um, that uh, Gamora is the one, is his first daughter. Yes. His adopted daughter. And he... And he loves her. In fact, that's how he get, he gets the soul stone is he has to, to give up the thing that he loves. Yeah. And he gives her up. And, um, and I think that's an important moment because if he didn't love her, truly, if it was something twisted, if it was something just like in pursuit of a goal, yeah. that um, he wouldn't get the soul stone. He would have just killed her for nothing. Um, but he gets it. You know, and he cries you yeah. know, during that moment, and he's truly heartbroken um, that he has to give her up. That whole scene is just wild. It's, I mean, uh, it's you know, it, for, I mean, I love the part where Gamora is laughing at him mm-hmm. because he's like, he, you know, for all your power and all your strength, here you are, the thing that you need, and you can't have it because you need to get sacrifice something you love, and you love nothing. Right, and then he turns around and he sees that he, she, he's crying because he knows that he has to kill her. Right. And he's actually sad about it. And she refuses to believe it. She goes, this isn't love. That's not what this, ha- this is here. Right. You know, and then eventually, you know, he, ha- he murders her. And right. it's, just, it's just crazy. It's powerful. Um, and yet, and he always refers to her as daughter. Or. Or little one. Mm-hmm. 
And um, and in some ways, I actually think that's even more adorable because it would be easy for him to provide distance from somebody that he doesn't love by calling them by their name. Mm-hmm. You know, he I don't know that he ever refers to her by her name, Gamora, yeah. except at the very at the part where they show him and her first meeting when she's a child. Oh, the flashback. You know, when he's like, what's your name? And Mm -hmm. she says, Gamora. And then he says, oh, you're a fighter, Gamora. But everything else after that, he just calls her daughter or little one. So it's the one person that he really does love. And you see that in little things like... There's a moment where she's looking at his throne and she says, I always hated that throne. Mm -hmm. And even though he says, I wish I hoped you would sit in it one day, he makes a very deliberate decision not to sit there. He sits on the steps in front of the throne while he's talking to her. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, her emotions and her feelings, you know, matter to him. So it was great. Um, and then at the end, you see that he also has a respect for Tony Stark. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I know you. Um, you know, I have great respect for you. Um, and then he and then he says, I hope they remember you as though in a sincere way. Like there's no sarcasm in his, you know, in the way that he says it, saying it. And especially after seeing it the second time, you get the impression like, yeah, he really does hope that Stark will be remembered as mm-hmm. a great man, a great inventor, you know. Um, and you also get the impression that he fully expects Stark to uh, die on the planet Titan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he assumes that this is... Yes, the this, last this time is, he has to deal, deal with, with him. him. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, I thought, I thought they did a great job with Thanos. I thought he was a great villain with all of the buildup over the years yeah. from the first Avengers movie to all the little peaks of him. Yeah. There was so much writing on that character and it would have been so easy for that character to slip and fall. Yeah, um, it just be a one note, you know. Yeah. One dimensional. One dimensional. I just want to, I just want power. Right. Whatever. I'm just murdering yeah. everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, they made a, they, the Russo brothers and the writers of the script made a multi dimensional character in their villain. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, we talked a lot about this in Black Panther that with Killmonger, they had a very well rounded, sympathetic villain. And it was like, you know, it has been a criticism over the years that the villains in the Marvel Universe are too simplistic. They're one and done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, and so I think that it was, people were maybe expecting that a little bit with Thanos. Um, and they did a great job of making him a nuanced character. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was. I've always felt that I wish that they had spent a little bit more time building him up in the previous movies, but then they just made up for it, it, the lack of that in this in one. This yeah. Movie. All right. Okay. You're so, number two. My second thing I'm going to say so, in this movie, um, because there are so many characters, um, I know. There is a lot of, uh, there's kind of like a splitting up of, you know, there's various, say, teams mm-hmm. of our heroes, right? They, team up various groups of Avengers uh, to go do various things. And I think my favorite of these, um, and it has nothing to do with what they actually do, because... What you they, are so going to say my second one. 
Uh, it's the pairing of Thor and rockets specifically. Oh man! Specifically, uh, well, but maybe it'll be for different reasons. You and I are in sync on this one, apparently. I mean, it's um, there, especially, and a lot of it I think has to do with um, what they did with Thor and Ragnarok, where they really let um, Chris Hemsworth be way more charming and funny yeah. than in the previous Thor movies and that carries over into this and Rocket is my favorite guardian mm-hmm. and and uh, the rumor is that they uh, that James Gunn wrote all the dialogue for the Guardians characters like, really yeah that's that's a, I don't know if that's true but that's a rumor that he that they let him write specifically those characters dialogue to keep them all because he has that kind of guardianship over them I guess pardon the pun um, <laughs> but I love that so the Guardians uh, rescue Thor from space after Thanos had destroyed their ship. They um, wake him up; he's unconscious, and um, and just the there's a bunch of fun banter in that scene with everybody. But specifically when he's talking to Rocket, it's really fun to me. As um, he's he's like you know, he's talk, you know there's a talking raccoon, and he doesn't even blink twice. About, I know, <laughs> right? Any other character, there'd be like some sort of you know freak out, what the hell moment. You know, there's a walking, talking animal. You know, and and but we find out also in this well in the time they spend together that Thor is fifteen hundred years old, fifteen hundred year old uh, space god. Right. You know, right. So talking raccoon that probably happens on Tuesdays most weeks. You know, so I love that it's just like, you know, there's no time wasted. There's just like, of course, there's a talking raccoon. Except care. that he doesn't know it's a raccoon. Or, yeah, just or talking animal. He clearly. calls it a rabbit. Ra- yeah, <laughs> sweet rabbit. Calls it rabbit. Calls Rocket a rabbit throughout the movie. It's really funny. Um, but I also like that he, like, uh, also, despite, like, maybe Rocket's size or anything, he doesn't just assume, well, this isn't somebody I need, I want, I, that can help me. Mm-hmm. He's totally fine with you know, and like Rocket tells him, yeah, I'm the captain of this ship, and he apparently believes him. He's like, yeah, yeah. sure, of course you are. Clearly, you're the captain. Clearly, you're the captain. And there's a and just the Rocket's love of heavy of weaponry, <laughs> and when they <laughs> want to go to that one place that I'm not going to try to pronounce to try to make, you know, a Thanos killing weapon, you know, mm-hmm. this place that's known for making these just big, you know, ter- terrible weapons of war, and Rocket's like, I'm down with that. So right. what are we leaving? I want to go even I more. I want to go even more. And that, but there's also, you know, the kind of the, the the soft emotional moment where they have a conversation where Rocket's talking to Thor about, you know, all the all there's a lot of there's a lot of people in Thor's life that are now dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't even really I never really thought about it that much until that sequence when he rattles them all off. I all know. those people in his life that are that are dead. And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm. Don't worry, I'm good to go. It's those are all great motivations for revenge, right? Right. And uh, and he's like, and you know, Thanos is. I've fought a lot of bad people, and Thanos is just the next one. You know, and he goes, and he goes, yeah, but he's like the most powerful one ever. And Thor's all, yeah, but he's never faced me. And he goes, he did actually. <laughs> well, he's know. never faced me twice, right? And I know. He, and he goes, <laughs> And if I don't beat him, then you know what else do I have to lose? And he kind of walks off and rockets all. Well, I I have stuff to lose, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have stuff to lose in this. Uh, and you know, and I didn't particularly care like the the sequence where they actually make Stormbreakers one of the weaker ones in the movie, but still the time they spend together talking mm-hmm. is so fun and funny. 
And then when they show up on Earth at the yes. end, it's like this, we've seen it twice, and it causes pe- and you, people were audibly like cheering mm-hmm. in the crowd when they show up on Earth, him, Rocket, and Groot. And so yeah, so the those those two together are a fun pair. I wish there was a little bit more of it, honestly, in well, the movie. And there probably still will be because Thor and um, Rocket are still standing at the end of the yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, mm. so and and Rocket is the Sweet only rabbit. member of the Guardians of the Galaxy still yeah, standing, still around. Yeah, the uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll go with Pirate Bait, Pirate Angel. Yeah, Pirate Angel. Was, I know that was good. Um, so I also I loved that particular pairing. I even loved that you know, snotty teen Groot. Was yeah. there sapling Groot? Mm-hmm. Was there with them, um, especially when Thor speaks Groot? Oh yeah, you know that was when it was an elective. Yeah, right? it was the, an elective at school. Yeah. and um, and then you know, like Rocket is shocked, like, "Oh, you speak Groot," and then he's totally okay with it. Great, somebody else can interpret that. This right. is awesome. Um, so I also loved that Thor called Rocket rabbit the entire time Mm -hmm. you know and that he's totally okay with the captain of the ship being rabbit yeah you know i also like that you know rocket who will freak out if anyone refers to him as a raccoon apparently was no problem with a rabbit with being called a rabbit i know or even a sweet rabbit well and i think it's funny because in the comic book isn't rocket's arch nemesis a rabbit there is, I don't know, through that old uh, Rocket Raccoon origin story, he lived on a planet filled with other animal creatures. And right. there was a rabbit that was like a cop, mm-hmm. but like a Keystone cop. But I haven't read enough of it. He, okay. That might have turned out to be a villain. I don't know. All right. Well, one of the things I read was that Rocket's arch nemesis in the comic books is a rabbit. Mm. So it's that adds a little nuance to it. Um, I liked that you also see Rocket um, growing. As a character, especially mm-hmm. when you, um, you know, in Guardians 2, Two, Rocket is very much like, you know, being the tough guy and he's alienating everybody because that's what you're supposed yes. to do because you can't get close to anybody. And he's he has to learn from Yondu, in fact, you know, like you got to knock it off. You've got to build your family, your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's even that moment in this movie where Rocket kind of sighs and goes, Time to go be captain. Right. Because he understands that that's what a captain has to do. He has to be there for his crew. Mm-hmm. He has to motivate them. Um, you know. And yeah, Thor is so vulnerable in that scene when they're in Rocket's ship and they're heading over to uh, get Stormbreaker. Um, and he starts rattling everybody off who's died. And he, you know, like, my brother's dead. You know, but he's been dead before but I think this is permanent this time. (laughs) And then half his people have died, which the first time that flew by me, the second time I felt like, oh, okay, that explains maybe where Valkyrie is. Yeah, that has to be, yeah. Um, And, but then, you know, his dad died. He had to kill his sister. His mom is dead. You know, like, yeah, he's he's kind of alone right now. Yeah. Um, But then you have, Rocket also, um, you know, trying to be able to 
support him in that. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Well, you know, yeah, you lost to him one time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that their bonding during the process of, you know, the building of Stormbreaker was great. Um, it is not necessarily the strongest moment, I think, in the plot line. Yeah. But, um, you know, shout out to uh, to Itri being, oh, yeah. um, what, Peter? Peter Dinklage. Dinklage, yeah. you know, the <clears throat> the dwarves are apparently 10 feet tall. Tall, right. Um, so if they're as guardian dwarves, makes sense, I guess. Right. <laughs> so um, I loved the landing in Wakanda. Yeah. Where you've got Groot on his shoulder. With his gun, you know, ready mm-hmm. to go. Um, I love that he calls Groot his friend, and he, he identifies him as Tree. He introduces him to Captain America. This is my friend, Tree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of two things. Either Groot means Tree, uh-huh. or, um, or you know, since calling Rocket Rabbit... Um, he just identifies he just everything by, by whatever he by thinks whatever it, it looks is. Like. <laughs> whatever right. he believes it is. Yeah. Um, but I also love the Steve and Groot introduction because Thor introduces him. This is my friend Tree. And Groot is killing a couple of aliens right. and, and he says, I am Groot, of course. Right. And then Steve Rogers does the best like moment where he taps himself, I am Steve Rogers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um but uh, so I love that. I think I thought that that whole little trio was really super awesome. And then um, also as a side note, I loved the Rocket and Bucky scene where Bucky picks Rocket up off the ground and, and they're both like shooting, spinning around. Yeah. yeah, spinning around in opposite directions. And then he puts him down. And, and A, Bucky's kind of nonplussed by the fact that he's got a shooting, like a talking, talking. raccoon. But then rocket immediately goes after his arm how much for the arm yeah well i like that he asked for the gun first <laughs> right because rocket even that's a very comic action <laughs> thing is rocket is a heavy weapons guy right which is like for whatever reason i find always hilarious the smallest the walk the tiny little talking raccoon tries to pack around the biggest gun he can manage right always so how much for the gun not for sale and then of course through the Guardians movies. He has a thing for prosthetic right. body parts. How <laughs> much for the arm? And Bucky just walks off. And goes, I know. Oh, I'm getting that. <laughs> Which does lead me, I feel like, to some interesting moments in the next movie. Uh-huh. I think there's going to be some great interplay yeah. between Rocket and Bucky. Yeah, oh, no, Bucky's gone. That's right. There is no Bucky. Yeah. yeah. That's, right. that's right. So, all right. So, if your number three is my number three. Okay. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Well, it is, um, there is eventually a big throwdown on Titan mm-hmm. where the Guardians minus Rocket and Groot, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and eventually Nebula, they all try to take down Thanos. And that sequence is just, that's my third thing, just that sequence, because it is a big, insane, cosmic action bit of insanity mm-hmm. that this movie had to have and it is so much fun to watch and it's crazy and it goes on for a while i know i mean it starts off very quiet he shows back up after getting the soul stone and it's just dr strange and him talking mm-hmm. and that conversation is very interesting right right and it ends with dr strange saying you know well yeah i think you will find our resolve up to the challenge and then thanos goes 
hour. Right. And Tony, I know. And that's then, the best one. And then Iron, and Tony, Iron Man drops a, I don't even know what it was. I honestly, drops a big, heavy thing on top of him. It's like the ship. Him. One of the some, ships. A ship or, or something things. on him. And then how they work in concert together. You know, they use like like Spider-Man and... Uh, Doctor Strange. And, and Star-Lord. They use Doctor Strange as like... Um, portal okay. magic uh-huh. you know, to appear and disappear and like kind of and hit him from all different angles um, Nebula comes out of nowhere and flies right. a ship into him <laughs> um, you know there's the great moment where Star-Lord you know come, jumps out of one of Doctor Strange's portals and slaps like an explosive on his back and, bef- and jumps back back jumps into a portal into yeah, a portal flipping, flipping him, him off. off as he goes um, and they um and it's and all even even mantis they get mantis on top of him trying to put him to sleep try to get the gauntlet off his hand and i love how like they they have the two strongest they have iron man and Sp- the two strongest guys trying to pry it off his hand and even mm-hmm. though he's half asleep they're struggling to do it right it is it's and you know and really up until this point your villain the most powerful being in the cosmos has really been a pretty composed guy. Right. If you think about it. But then, like, he gets away. But this, finally, this is the one thing where he gets freak fucking angry. Mm-hmm. And then he he throws a moon. Right, I he know. He uses the Infinity Gauntlet. He reaches up behind him and he grabs, he uses it to throw chunks of a moon Right, on to Stark. Specifically on to Tony Stark. Nuts. It's nuts. And then uh, how it ends with, it just ends up, you know, it finally gets down to just him and Iron Man. And Iron Man has the new uh, nanotechnology Mm -hmm. uh, uh, suit. suit. And I think that's really cool because without telling you how it works, you can tell that the nanites are finite. Mm -hmm. And you can see them kind of redeploying themselves. All the time. You know, trying to make up for, as he's taking damage, trying to redeploy themselves to different areas of his body to make up for what's been lost. It's pretty cool. It's um, very much like what was known as the Bleeding Edge armor uh, right. from the comics that I think Matt Fraction wrote. Portland Zone. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, but that sequence is just so crazy and fun and awesome, even though the bad guy wins it. You know, and then it ends. You already talked about it with that line after he's like stabbed Stark, you know, through the torso with whatever chunk right. of whatever it was. And then when he says, and this is the big this this line, I think, is the biggest difference between Thanos in this movie and Thanos in the comics. Thanos says that line that you mentioned before. You know, I hope they remember you, and it's absolutely he means it. He's mm-hmm. not being it's not cruel or sarcastic or Thanos in the comics would have not said that he would not have said that line or he would have said it in a way that was just mean but this like you can tell no he means that that is like you know i I respect you now but now that i'm murdering you you know at the very least i hope your people remember you because you i feel you deserve it and it's very touching yeah it's like he recognizes a fellow warrior champion Mm -hmm. you know committed to their side and i love that beginning when he says you know you know me you know it's like yeah it's like you're not the only one burdened with knowledge i would have loved to know what exactly that brought got tony stark's name to thanos's ears right it would be interesting to know the backstory on that but anyway that whole uh, batshit crazy action sequence is is what I'm saying is my third one. Okay. Um, well, mine is close. 
Um, I so I really liked the small team ups mm-hmm. that they did in this movie. It was the only way to fit all of the characters in. Yeah. And honor them. And make sure that they all got something. Right. You know, that they just weren't just standing in the background doing nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I really, I liked the way they did that. But I thought that their team-ups were really um, creative, but thoughtful and... Mm-hmm. Surprising um, Surprising. Me. Uh, surprising? To oh, me. To I me, just I thought they were, surprising. they were fun. You know, mm-hmm. so we already talked about Thor, Groot, and Rocket. Um, but then you have Stark, Strange, and Quill, right? And then they're assorted teammates, you know? That was the most surprising for me. And it was surprising, but then at the same time, I also thought, you've got your alphas struggling with each other. Mm -hmm. Tony is used to being in charge. He's the brilliant one. He's the genius. And now he's forced to reckon with Stephen Strange, who is also brilliant and a genius, and a wizard, mm-hmm. right? Which Tony is like um, a, a, a skill that Tony Stark can't match. Can't match. He doesn't. Right? Have, he doesn't have. Doesn't matter how smart he is. He can't do that. Yeah. Um, and then you have Quill, who's been kind of on his own for a while, and he's leaving his little ragtag bunch. Mm-hmm. And so you have these three alphas who are trying to negotiate with each other to to build a plan to form a cohesive unit. And it sort of works, but not quite. Um, and I thought their interactions were really great because, you know, even with the first two Avengers, Tony's kind of quips mm-hmm. and like you see him and Captain America kind of arguing over like who's in charge and mm-hmm. who's going to be alpha. But that's a little different because Captain America is like, you know, he's he's older than Tony you know, right? Older than everybody except <laughs> Older Thor. than everybody. Um, he, uh, his dad really respected Captain mm. America. So Tony's also kind of battling with the ghost of his father yeah. when he battles with, with Captain America. Um, but in this case, um, you see Tony reckoning with two people who don't care who he is. They don't care that he's Tony Stark, you know? And so you see this strange interplay between three really true alphas of their own units. And I thought that was a really fascinating, um, especially the second time I watched it. So I loved that because everybody else is used to being um, a team player. You know, Spider-Man reveres Tony Stark so he's totally going to listen to him mm-hmm. um, you know Drax and Mantis and even Nebula are all used to the fact that Peter Quill is nominally in charge you yeah. know like they still recognize him as their captain as the leader um, and ish. so ish right <laughs> a leader who needs to constantly yeah. be right. Um, humbled right, right? you know <laughs> but <laughs> I love it. it. Dustin just made the sign of like stop the military like, sign for stop. stop. And uh, in the movie, of course, there's that scene where everybody just walks right past him. They're trying to sneak up on Thanos. Right. And tries to give the military, okay, hold up a fist. That means stop right here. And everybody just keeps walking <laughs> past him. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you see this interplay, which is, is great. Um, and then you watch Captain America, Steve Rogers, and T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Re 
um, interact with each other. And um, which is also great because in the first movie, they start as antagonists. Yeah. You know, Captain America is in the way of the Black Panther and trying to get his revenge against the guy he believes killed his father. Um, and now you see this mutual respect blossoming. You see it in the post credit scenes of Captain America Civil War. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can clearly tell that that has continued. Um, But you've got Captain with T'Challa, and you've got Hulk, who's kind of been the bridge between everybody except the Guardians, you know? Um, And Mark Ruffalo just deserves a shout-out for doing this excellent Bruce Banner, who's like, I've been gone for two years, and what has been happening while I'm gone? Like, he's so kind of disoriented, Mm -hmm. but also not surprised. He has been living on an alien world as the Hulk for two years, so he's like, there's a Spider-Man and an An Ant-Man? Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) You know, Um, and then, uh, so I just, I liked those different team-ups. I thought they did a good job. I thought it um, allowed all of the members of the... Um, Marvel Universe to have a moment that was authentic, not just, uh oh, we haven't paid attention to, um, you know, the uh, Iron Patriot or you or know War, War Machine, Rhodey. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't we haven't paid attention to Rhodey enough, so let's do a, a let's, let's do a forced thing where he does something probably out of character right just so that he can we can make sure that you can remind you that he's also in this right right? and they didn't they Mm -hmm. i felt like they did a really good job with him as well where you see you know he's he's in character he's trying to um follow orders he's trying to be the good military man but he's also frustrated clearly with the bureaucracy of you know given by thunderbolt ross um and he's just like the world is at stake and you're seriously going to be wrangling over whether or not I arrest the only people who have a chance of defending us. Yeah. Um, so I just thought they did a great job of doing these pair ups. They were very thoughtful, um, and allowed us to really, um, enjoy those different moments. And I loved that they, um, highlighted kind of that romance romance between the Scarlet Witch and the vision, vision yeah. just because that's so powerful um and it's a long running theme throughout marvel comics mm-hmm. so t- they you know allowed that to kind of blossom but um at the same time it furthered the plot of the movie yeah so yeah it was interesting that they took the three biggest egos i know together, and put the them three together. biggest dicks <laughs> and put them on this together and uh i'm stealing this joke from somebody um but you have uh, Benedict Cumberbatch mm-hmm. and Robert Downey Jr., who have both played a certain um, fictional detective. Right. So you have them in the same, the three of these guys in the same scene. At no point, how do you not have Chris Pratt say the line, hey, no shit, Sherlock's? I know. <laughs> I mean, opportunity missed. Well, but I think that also had to do with the fact that. That might have been a little too winking at the camera i'm sure right and also again they're trying to recognize the fact that peter quill has not been back to earth since the 80s right and i get that sherlock Holmes is an older character Mm -hmm. but it would have been a little too much of a wink 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 to the the, the audience yeah um so yeah so those were my 
my big three. Mm-hmm. And you have identified your big three. Yeah. And I think, once again, it might be clear to the audience that we spend a lot of time together yeah. in the similarities. Yeah. Um, it, and again, I just want to remind everybody, you and I write these separately. We don't talk to each other yeah. beforehand. But this movie was so big that we talked about, you know, do we should we do more than three? I know, so, that's true. So we are going to throw out at least an honorable mention, I A guess. couple of honorable yeah. mentions, maybe. So, um, yeah, so let's dive into our honorable mentions. Okay. From first, maybe we'll differentiate here. So for this honorable mention, are you familiar with a, it's an internet thing known as the Chris Wars? Yes, between Chris Pratt and Chris Evans. Well, it's more than them. It's Chris... Evans, Chris Hemsworth, oh, that's Chris right. Pratt, and then new new Captain Kirk, whatever that Chris is. I forget his last name. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. The four, you know, who is mm-hmm. the best Chris in Hollywood? Right, that's true. Four hunky white men who are in all these big major movies. Three of them in this movie. I know. And I feel that the, that when the, when the Guardians find Thor and they wake him up, and there's some clear jealousy between Hemsworth and, or for Pratt. Mm-hmm. You know, between Star-Lord and Thor. I feel that this is kind of them playing out a little bit of the Chris Wars. Right. <laughs> and that sequence is so... They give Drax the best line. Because right. they're like... Because Thor's still unconscious laying on a table. And, and Chris Pratt says something about, you know, who is this dude? And right. Drax goes, this is not a dude. You're a dude. This is a man. I don't- just... <laughs> Every time, the two times I've seen that, I mean, the first time we see it, I didn't hear what happened next because everybody was laughing so hard right. at that right. line. And then I make a joke about, like Rocket makes a joke about how, you know, Quill, you're one sandwich away from being fat. They make, right. And, which is hilarious because since Chris uh, Pratt lost the weight uh, to be to get the role of Peter Quill, he's apparently just like a workout crazy person now. Right. So that they made those jokes about him, I think, is kind of funny because I follow him on social media, and mm-hmm. he is insane when it right. comes to that stuff. So the whole the uh, the Thor um, Star Lord, you know, you're clearly jealous of me. Interaction. He's like, are you? Is your voice deeper? Right. <laughs> like, are you mocking me? me? That's so so funny. Yeah. I, I agree. I thought that was really good. I would have enjoyed, and I'm sure there's bloopers out there somewhere, uh-huh. um, also watching Chris Pratt and Chris Evans interact, too, you know, a little bit. There's got to be some bloopers out there. Did they, did they, 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 they don't never, cross paths in the movie. No, they don't cross paths, because yeah. um, Captain America stays on Earth. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think that would have been really, really funny, especially given... The fact that you just reminded me of the Chris Pratt, um, like his little Twitter videos where he talks about like all his workout and his diet and then like how he goes through these crazy like cravings and mm-hmm. he'll be like, here's how I treat this apple. And he just like devours it in this like crazy messy way. Yeah. And then they make a comment about him being fat, you know? Yeah. So that is funny. Um. So my honorable mention was the humor balanced with the emotional uh, devastation of some of these deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, like at the very, I mean, they kill off Heimdall and Loki 
in the, the first, first seven minutes, minutes. Yeah. right? Um, which is horrible because Loki has been such a popular character, and mm-hmm. Idris Elba is Idris Elba. Um, but you know, they have these great humorous moments where you know Thor is being tortured by Thanos, and finally Loki brings out the Tesseract. And Thor's only statement to that is, you really Mm -hmm. are the worst, brother. Like, you know, like there's this great humorous moment because he keeps saying that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then there's Loki finally gets to say the the line, we have a Hulk, you know, to, to Thanos and Hulk comes barging out. So you have these great moments of levity and then you have, you know, Heimdall and Loki being murdered. And and given how great and popular Loki has been, those are really kind of intense moments there. Yeah. And then you have other just great interactions between these characters. We've talked about um, the interactions between Thor and and Rocket, and Thor and and Star Lord, and then. Um, Iron Man and Strange and Star-Lord, you know, so you've got all these great moments in there. And then you have, but then you have like, you know, really emotional moments um, where you've got some of these characters that you've loved and, you know, kind of the Marvel quote unquote thing has been, you know, nobody dies. Right. And in the comics, even nobody dies forever. Right. Right, and then you have these deaths that are done in a way that really tug at your heartstrings. I think um, we finished the first the first time we saw um, Infinity War. The woman next to me was like sobbing. Yeah, she was very. She was. I mean, sobbing at the end of the movie, Um, and even I, multiple times, like gasped and like, you know. Was like, oh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know, because it was, they they did a good job of, you know, our characters dying. And even though intellectually we know Spider-Man has to come back. Yeah. I mean, there's a Spider-Man 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, st- it, even I was just so sad and heartbroken watching was, Peter Parker died. Especially so his, emotional. His, his, they kind of let his death play out a little bit more than everyone else's. So it is definitely a little more wrenching. Right. You know? But like, uh, but at the same time, you see T'Challa disappear like almost instantly, and mm-hmm. you all you get is Okoye's horror at her watching face. her king yeah, vanish. Yeah. You know. And, like, we know there's a Black Panther, too. Mm-hmm. But it did not make that death any more startling yeah. to anybody in the obvious. Yeah. The people they chose. it was That was very surprising. Yeah. So. Um, so, I mean, both times we watched it, you could hear people audibly gasp mm-hmm. every time somebody died at yeah. the end. So I just thought um, I had heard criticism going into the movie and concern from fans like, oh, there, there's too much laughter. There's there, They might be making it hokey. You know, no. I don't know. And yet I thought they, they did a beautiful job of balancing humor and tragedy in yeah. equal measure in this movie. If there wasn't the humor in this movie, it would be very grim. 
oh my gosh. thing to sit through. Well, yeah. It was grim anyway. Yeah. So, but anyway, so I thought they did, they did a great mm-hmm. job building that emotional tension so that you, you laughed and you cried in equal measure. Yeah. I liked, um, I was surprised at uh, that how big, I, there was way more Doctor Strange in this movie than I, I was surprised at how, like how kind of important he ended up being, really. Like how much he's in it. Um, he has he has one of the stones, so sure. I guess I wasn't surprised. But to the point to where um, I guess it really I mean the a major plot point for the next movie hinges on him. That is correct. That that's what I think I find most surprising because there's a moment the moment where he's like he says he's he used he used that time stone to look into the future, like possible outcomes, different alternate futures. And, how many did you see? 14 million something and something and something. 4 million was it four? 605. That was 14 million. I think it maybe. It doesn't matter. It, it's a, it's a, a lot. big number in the millions. How many do we win? Says Iron Man. One. One. And they've set up earlier uh, that uh, Doctor Strange tells Tony Stark, okay, we'll go ahead. We'll go to Titan. We'll go ahead and see what we can deal with this Thanos person. But just, just so you know, if it comes down to you guys and me protecting mm-hmm. the stone, I will let you die. He's like, he is unequivocal. You know, I will, that is a thing I will let happen. Right. And, um, and then, but he does stop Thanos from killing Tony Stark by handing over the time stone. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be because of the one outcome that they win. Right. He saw some, he's like, whether it's uh, the one that we win, you know, Tony Stark doesn't die here or something. Something happens and that's why he had to hand it over. Mm-hmm. And so just like that kind of that big a plot point hinging on Doctor Strange, I found surprising. And how much he is in it was a little bit surprising to me, too. And a little bit of and the magic that when he fights Thanos by himself, right. the magic stuff is so cool. It is. Although the earlier, crimson bands of Ciderac. They don't say that, but he uses those. That's straight <laughs> from the comics. It was awesome. I will say that, although they use one of his little like rings uh, where he like opens those portals mm-hmm. to like cut off the arm of somebody earlier. Yep. He he may have been able to cut off the arm of Thanos. Oh, I have I have say. a head cannon. I because at that point. Thanos has the reality gem. Maybe oh. he was trying and Thanos was just always blocking it. Oh, okay. Maybe. Um, all right. Um, my last shout, uh, kind of like honorable mention, mm-hmm. is the music. Um, oh, once again, the soundtrack. Didn't even notice. <laughs> well, oh. Well, well, that's not true, but go ahead. I... The soundtrack in this I thought was great. There are moments of silence, mm-hmm. especially near the beginning of the movie. Where like they kind of open, um, that are super powerful, and then um, then they have the music, and then as they go and introduce the different uh, heroes, they bring in their particular theme song mm-hmm. at different times, which is so much fun, you know. And the, like the moment that you have Captain America's moment, a song when he comes out as nomad to protect. Right. Um, walks out of the shadows. And yes. You hear that little bit, after, little bump. 
But I and they don't hit you over the head with it. It's just no, it's enough. just enough in there that you're like, oh, I'm so excited, yeah. you know. Um, and then they have the Avengers theme, and then um, when Thor comes in on the uh, Rainbow Bridge, yeah. the Stormbreaker, they have his theme playing. At the, they turn when they show up when him and Rocket and Groot hit the field right. during the big battle at Wakanda, and they do they hit they they that's where they they really turn up. I think it's the Avengers theme. Bum, 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 yeah. Bum. yeah. Um, so it's so good. And then the moment of the deaths. Like after when he snaps his fingers. Yeah. Silence. There's no theme music behind it. Mm-hmm. There's just silence and people disappearing. Turning to ash or whatever that was. You know, yeah. and that moment, and that's why I think that moment is so emotional is because literally there's silence. You've gone from noise and explosions and music and background music and everything to silence. Mm -hmm. And the only sounds are of people saying kind of their last words before they, you hear the kind of like of them going away into ash. Mm -hmm. And so it's so dramatic. And then they end the Avengers theme, you know, they end the movie with the Avengers theme playing out in ultra slow time mm-hmm. on a piano. Yeah. And so suddenly it sounds sad. Oh, yeah. And somber. It's not being played with a full orchestra and the horns blaring and, and being triumphant. And... Um, it's But on a single piano with, you know, being in slow time, it is so sad. Yeah. And so I just thought... That made it even more powerful, especially the second time. I noticed that a lot, and I was just like, oh, so emotional. It was good. Plucked at your heartstrings. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess... um... Oh, wait. I have one more honorable mention. Okay. If you don't have one. I do, but uh, go ahead. Okay. What's it? Well... Well, I was just going to say, the finger snap itself. Yes. I mean, they... uh, In the trailers... Gamora speaks to, oh, if he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can wipe out half of humanity with the snap of his fingers. And I just kind of thought, because the finger snap is a very uh, famous kind of, I mean, it's a famous thing in Marvel Comics continuity. You you can find the panel on where it happens um, in the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries. So I just thought that them saying that in the trailer, that's probably the nod that we're going to get. That he, they actually have him do the finger snap that wipes out half of humanity mm-hmm. is, it was pretty, I was, I don't know. I was, I don't know, surprised. I was pretty happy that they did that. Mm-hmm. That they actually had him do that. Right. Yeah. And you see the cost though yeah. on him. Like that whole arm is, is, is wrecked. wrecked. The, the gauntlet looks like pretty damaged. Right. It's all scarred and burned. And yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely a cost there. Um, well, my last honorable mention is um, that is the post credit scene. Oh, sure. So you've got Fury and Maria Hill driving along, and you know clearly they're talking right as that finger snap happens, and, and the half um, of the population gets wiped out. And Maria goes, and you can see kind of the dawning realization that finally, perhaps Fury needs to use his last and final call. Right? And mm-hmm. he gets out 
a pager. But it looks like a souped-up pager. It is. It's not is. just a normal pager. It There's is. some stuff going on on the pager. It is clearly a souped-up pager. However, it is still a pager. Right. And if you need something to evoke the 90s... It would be, yeah. It would be a pager. Mm-hmm. Right? Um and so, you know, he, he brings that out and you have his, his great moment where he sees himself going and as in pure Samuel L. Jackson moment, you can see him starting to swear. <laughs> and not just any swear. Any swear. but The 13-letter swear that he yes. is most famous for. Um, but then, you know, and then as he goes away, he hits send and it falls to the ground. And who gets it? Captain Marvel! So, it was such a great, great post credit scene. They were so great. So ballsy. A couple of different ways. How they end that post credit scene with a camera doing a close-up on a pager. Mm-hmm. For, and it's a while. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it says sending, 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 and you're like, okay. <laughs> and then finally you see that kind of a Starburst logo for people who know what the Captain Marvel logo looks like. And just to make sure you know, it then goes into color. The yes. red and blue gold colors of Captain Marvel. And and that's all you get. It doesn't say Captain Marvel. You just no. got to know it. And we had to tell people in the theater what that was. Cause we, I know. Because I, I was like, yeah. I know. And I was starting clapping and I'm like, yeah. And then there are people in the rows above us. Who is that supposed to be? <laughs> um, which I thought was brilliant. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, because there's rumors. There were rumors that she were gonna, she was going to show up in, in this Infinity movie. War. I, right? I wanted that so badly to happen. But then like the Russo brothers, you know, eventually they confirmed, yeah, she's not going to be in this. And I just hoped that they were lying. Because mm-hmm. they did because they did lie about things. They lied about a lot of the stuff. The trailers were lies. Yes. The, the Hulk was like in the Battle of Wakanda in the trailers. Uh-huh. Nope. Not the case, right? There's nope. a bunch of lies in the trailers. Right. That is true. So I I thought that was great. I was um so that made me even more excited for next year, next mm-hmm. summer. Um so that was it, I just had to mention that because I kind of thought it was one of their brilliant post-credit scenes it was really good and i also loved that after that post-credit scene they say thanos will return they don't say the avengers will return correct thanos will return that was pretty cool yeah all right so was there anything you didn't like there were there were a couple of things that made me kind of roll my eyes and kind of sigh and be like oh mm-hmm. so um, what, were the, was there anything for you? Uh, well, we've always kind of spoken to the sequence where they go and make Stormbreaker mm-hmm. is, I think, the weakest kind of sequence. I mean, Peter Dinklage plays... I, I like the idea that they had. They mm-hmm. take, like, the most famous little person in the world, <laughs> Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones fame. You know, right. They make this little person. They make him a 10-foot-tall, enormous dwarf. He calls himself a dwarf. And he's the maker of these weapons. I just feel that the effects weren't great. Mm-hmm. They were kind. Of, that was like the worst effect of the movie. They like fo- they kind of they closed in. They close up on his face a lot. I feel to try to cover for maybe not how great it looked, mm-hmm. and just and just the means of which they because they have to waken the whole aspect of these weapons is they're made like Mjolnir was supposedly made in the heart of a forged in the heart of a dying star. And that's right. what you know, this kind of is, and the and they have to 
reawaken the star and it's not i don't know it's just not that interesting just the weakest sequence and i kind of feel bad for peter dinklage because i love that he's in a marvel movie right but he doesn't look it doesn't look great Mm. so okay um i just thought um there were two pieces in this where i kind of had to roll my eyes and be like of course Mm -hmm. and the first was when um they're on titan and they've got thanos um, kind of subdued, and they're pulling the gauntlet off his arm, mm-hmm. and that's when Quill has to like lose it, and he, you know, because they suddenly discover Gamora's not there. Yeah. Him and Nebula both are asking him, "Where's Gamora? Where's Gamora?" And Quill and Nebula realize that he's he's clearly killed Gamora, killed her. Yeah. and so Quill kind of loses all sanity and reason and starts punching Thanos, which essentially punches him into back into consciousness and because, awareness. Right, he because he knocks Mantis off his off head. His head yeah, right. Because she was trying to make him sleep. So they had just they were just getting the gauntlet off his hand. Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark even like leaves Right. Because it's him and Peter Parker trying to pull it off. Right. And he leaves uh Spider Man to do it, to try to, be to like, talk re- reason to him. Don't do it, Quill. Quill, don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. And Quill loses his mind, which part of me says, okay, that's probably in keeping with the character of Quill. I agree with that. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. it was such a kind of clear. Oh, we might be winning. We might be winning. Of course, we're not winning. Right. Moment, and I just thought that that was kind of ridiculous. I mean. Gamora already said, "If he take before he takes me, you have to kill me." Right. Um. And Quill fails her then, and then he fails again mm-hmm. when he loses his mind. You know. So like, that was a little bit of a ridiculous piece yeah. where I was kind of like, "I understand." Damn it, Quill! Yeah, it get like, it together. Like what he does is in character because he's the most brash. Yeah. Uh, of them in you know and combine that with his big with a. A big ego. big ego. And it makes sense that he would do that. I just wish that they would have come up with a different way. Right. Of like, I mean, I mean, actually, I would say have them actually get the gauntlet off him. And then Thanos beats them anyway without right. it. That makes him an even bigger badass. Right. But, Rather than Quill being the person that screws it all up. Right. Right. You know, so that was kind of, that was a, just a moment that I was just yeah. like, ugh. Yeah. Um, and the other was Vision recognizes he holds the in, the final Infinity Stone. He holds the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coming for it. We've got to destroy it. We've got to, you know, like he's got this moment of clarity. Like we have to destroy this thing. This is... Like my beer, moment of clarity, Imperial IPA. But better. Oh, yeah, but better. <laughs> um, and And then everybody else is like, no. And Steve Rogers says, we don't trade lives. I actually like that line, though. Uh, but I, I hear what he's saying, but I like the vision's response. But you did it. Right. You traded your own life for millions. Mm-hmm. Right? You crash a ship with the Tesseract intentionally so that you can save millions of lives and yet 
even though Steve is allowed the agency to make that own decision of self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. everybody refuses to let the vision make that same self-sacrifice. Right. And I just feel that that is, um, I mean, and that's an issue that I have with a lot of, um, you know, hero and superhero movies is that um, agency gets taken away from people. So Steve Rogers is allowed to sacrifice himself for millions. Mm-hmm. But if anybody else wants to sacrifice themselves, well, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Right. You know, he takes that agency away from Vision. And if Vision is really, it's his own individual person and his own, if he truly is sentient and autonomous and he's not a robot and he's something more, then why do they take away his agency? You know, and so that those types well, of things just bother me because I think I see a lot of that where a person's ability to choose for themselves, even if that choice is self-sacrifice mm-hmm. um, for what they perceive as the greater good, gets taken away from them. Because let's be honest, if that happens, if the Mind Stone is destroyed prior to the moment that Thanos gains the Time Stone, mm-hmm. Thanos is defeated. Thanos does not win. But they take that choice away from the vision. And I just feel like that's not fair. And so those types of things, and I get it's for the furtheration of the plot, blah, blah, blah. And in order for vision to truly destroy himself, it requires the Scarlet Witch to to do that. Like she's the one who ultimately has to destroy the stone. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I just feel like these moments where they steal somebody's agency away from them and their ability to choose mm-hmm. is just so disappointing. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I mean, I still like... I mean, I think it's another example of everybody says something that is keeping in their character. As I like Steve Rogers saying, we don't trade lives, is that's a, that's, that's a Captain America thing. I mean, perfectly. I just wish they would have thought of something better. Right. You know, and they do have the thing where like, well, we think we can, maybe what if we can remove the Mind Stone from Vision without killing him? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Shuri can figure that out. And that's a possibility. And she says she can do it. She just ends up not having enough time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I wish they would have come up with something a little more solid. Right. Then just... plot-wise. Then, but then again, you're also talking about, you know, who would look at their friend an ally and be like, okay, fine, we'll let you commit suicide. Essentially, I I agree that it's a it is a difficult choice mm-hmm. and it's a difficult decision, but ultimately they do make it. Yeah, right at the yeah, end they do. That he ends up finally happening. convinces Wanda and says, yeah. "It's time you have to do this, or else yeah. we lose." The problem is, it's just too late. Yeah, you know. But I also think that um, sometimes in their attempts to be like. Yes, but we will. There's always another way. Yeah. That um, unintentionally, what these movies do is they take away any individual's right to choose. Right. Mm-hmm. No, like vision, vision's right to choose what to do with himself and with the stone that's keeping him alive, but is also, you know, the fate of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, is taken away from him, and. They do that quite a bit, 
But I just felt it was slightly hypocritical because, of course, Captain America would be like, I'm going to save everybody's life, right. but I'm willing to give up my own. Right. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice myself. I'm just, not allow, I'm just not willing to allow any other person that same ability to choose. And that's the part that I just feel like made me kind of just roll my eyes a little bit because mm-hmm. I feel like it is, it is so superhero- and yet, it is the one thing in every comic situation that drives me nuts. Because you always have a superhero who, in light of being noble, mm. takes away the choice of others. Well, see, the, what the thing that bothered me is Vision actually didn't have a choice. Because he can't destroy the Mind Stone on his own. Mm-hmm. He can't take his own life. Right, he can't. He needs Wanda to do it for him. Mm. And I, it, one thing that kind of bothered me the first time we saw it, when he explains this to her, and he says this, and he says like, you know, you're the only one that, and the, to the woman he's expressed his love to, right? You're the only, the only person who's I'm, strong enough to do it. Yeah, well, the only person he's ever loved, probably, mm-hmm. you know, because of his short time of being a conscious thing. Um, and he says, you know, you're the only person who gets to make this choice. And that's a pretty bullshit thing to do, I feel, to put all of that on her. Yeah, that's true. Um, that bothered me. Uh, you know, but, you know, he hasn't been a conscious being for a long time. Right. So, you know, he's, you know. Um, he's still exploring what it yeah. means to be human. Uh, but it sort of leads into a little bit of a thing that I wish they would have done more of. I wish there had been some more explanation as to how the gems or stones, the Infinity Gems and the comic stones in the movies, how they work. Right. Like what limitations there are. So Thanos uses the Time Stone to reverse time to bring, after they do destroy the Mind Stone and the Vision is dead, he uses the Time Stone to reverse time, bring him back so that he can then take it off of his head. Mm-hmm. So, but like, I mean... If if the time stone can do that, why wouldn't you reverse time all the time? I know. I mean, is there a limitation to how far back you can use the time stone to reverse time? Is there a cost to it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how does like the reality stone? It looked like it was more like it just made like really cool, really realistic holograms. Right. And it looks like does it actually change just, reality or well, he does turn Drax into like a bunch of bricks and mantis right. into like a noodle temporarily but it's temporarily so it implies that there's limitations on because once he dis- he uses the he uses the, the space stone to teleport all the time right so he teleports away and as soon as he leaves they return to their normal forms so apparently maybe there's a range mm-hmm. where it only can affect within a certain range right and um and like i heard one uh, when i was listening to the one of my favorite podcasts the weekly planet they were talking about when well, he turns Drax into the bricks and Mantis into the noodles. Why doesn't he just do that to everybody else he has to face? Right. Because that would be the easiest way to win fights. Why don't you just do that all the time? And I was like, well, it would be a boring movie. And, you know, but still, that's a plot thing. You got to like, you know. Uh, that's true. That's Same true. Point. You know, but uh, but I wish there would have been a little, I don't know how they work it in, a little explanation to how the stones, the limitations of, yeah, the of the stones individually, how they work. Right. That would have been kind of cool. That would have been would cool. Assume. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree. So there are little things in there, but ultimately mm-hmm. they, you know, they really don't take away from how no. awesome this movie is. This is true. 
um, so, um, but um, the Thanos' henchmen. Right. The Black Order. So that I was going to see these guys in a movie was like a big deal to me. <laughs> when I got back into reading comics a few years ago, there was this big event going on in Marvel Comics that was just called Infinity. And right. It, it, and Thanos is in it, but it has more than just Thanos going on. And that's where they come from. It was written by a guy named Jonathan Hickman. Um, and I was bothered that most of the Black Order are in it, but they only ever refer to one of them by name, I think. Mm-hmm. Which bugged me because they all have such awesome names. Yeah. And they're so cool. They're the, they are also known as the Colobsidian in the comics, mm-hmm. which is explained as being, it means midnight slaughter. Right. Uh, they give the name Colobsidian to one of them in the movie instead of, uh, but anyway, this is who they and are. And the Ebony Maw. The, yeah. So um, Corvus Glaive, mm-hmm. who in the movie, he's the guy that looks kind of like an elf. He has like a hood and a big, long, curved blade. And he hangs out with, with the girl. With the girl. Who is... Uh, Proxima I like her Midnight. Name. I like that's a great Proxima name. Midnight. So Corvus, uh, in the comics, and I'm pulling this from an issue of New Avengers that Jonathan Hickman wrote. Uh, the first of the five, because there were five of these henchmen in the comics. Thanos' most favored. Corvus is cruel, arrogant, and the most loyal of the Black Order. A warrior who betrayed his people and sold his soul to Thanos to pursue a different kind of glory. In the comics, as long as his otherworldly blade remains whole, he cannot die. Ooh. Proxima Midnight, who in the comics is... Corvus Glaive's wife. Oh, that uh, explains a lot about the movie. Yeah. Also, uh, she looks. I. I didn't like how they rendered how they made her look in the movie. I, she looks way cooler in the comics. Okay. I was gonna say that her the way they rendered her in the movie I didn't care for. Uh, the cruelest of Thanos and Thanos's greatest warrior. Uh, her spear, when thrown, transforms into three traces of black light that do not miss ever and are lethal to most things. The big, uh, the big like Hulk stone guy in the mm-hmm. movie, they gave him the name Colobsidian. In the comics, he's known as Black Dwarf, and he's just what he seems. He's the big, super strong, um, has super dense, unbreakable skin. In the comics, he leads an assault, a failed assault on Wakanda. Oh. Um, T'Challa and Shuri uh, turn him back. And Thanos is not happy about this. Uh, he fail. He eventually is murdered by Thanos after he fails Thanos a second time in that series. The Ebony Maw, who is the guy who kidnaps Doctor Strange and right. starts to torture him, which is parallel to what happens in the Infinity miniseries because the Ebony Maw compromises Doctor Strange. He kind of like is almost like a parasite who tags along and controls his mind a little bit and uses Doctor Strange to get the information he needs as to the whereabouts of the Infinity Stones. Hmm. Because in the comics... Uh, different comics characters each carry one. They're known as the the Marvel they're the Illuminati, right? Um, and Doctor Strange, of course, has one. Iron Man, uh, Beast has one because Charles Xavier used to have one, but Xavier is dead at this point in the comics. And Namor has one. Black Panther has one, and Black Bolt has one. Um, and then Supergiant, who isn't in the movie, who is a telepath and can control people's minds is the other of the Black Order. Those guys are some awesome villains that got a little short shrift in the movie. Ah, and I'm well, bummed that they all have awesome names. Those are cool comic book names that don't get mentioned in the movie. They they mention Ebony Maw. Ebony Maw, yeah. And that's it. And they give 
they he gets the most like screen time and clients. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, well, I still thought they did a great job with them. They look except for Proxima Midnight. They all look great. perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and I just felt like, given the fact that they had so many oh, I know. characters I put in there, the I fact that they shortchanged. The Black Order mm-hmm. of all of them is probably okay. Mm. Uh, not to you, <sighs> but to me, it's fine. Okay. Also, so. Captain America, not a lot, not in this movie a ton. Of course. But but he's going to be in the next movie a lot because they killed everybody else. Well, they, they yeah. I assume so. I mean, so, but we'll find out. Yeah, I mean that the remaining Avengers are essentially the original Avengers mm-hmm. and Rocket Raccoon. Which is an interesting call. That is true. Uh, and Nebula. And Nebula. Nebula's still around, yeah. I mean, so. it's, that's another thing. Now that you say that, Tony Stark and Nebula are by themselves on Titan right now. Mm-hmm. That's weird. It's going to be intriguing to see what happens. Yeah. So. All right. That was a, a great movie to discuss. Yeah. I, I think Did you have we any... could continue. I, I have a lot of things. Any fun facts? I had I have so many, but I also think uh-huh. we've talked about this movie for a very long time. Uh, yep. So, yes. However, that might be a, an addendum to this podcast. Okay. I will just say... Um, if anybody is interested in the differences between the comics and the movie, because that's a thing I love to talk about, but I'll, I'll leave it off because we're approaching an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> go read The Infinity Gauntlet by Jim Starlin and a couple other artists um, that I can't remember, or The Infinity Miniseries by Jonathan Hickman and Dustin Weaver. Um, those A lot of stuff is pulled uh, from those two, especially the, the Fingersnap and the, uh, the Black Order. Uh, there's some... Great comics history in both of those miniseries. All right. Nah. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's it. Um, so next week, though. Right. So in, this is my thought, because we, we usually talk about what we're going to do next week. We didn't this time. Um, so in two weeks is Deadpool 2. Correct. So, and there's really nothing new coming out that I'm, I don't know about you, but how you feel, there's nothing new coming out next week that I care about. So just, so how about we just do Deadpool Oh, because we never did Deadpool originally. Yeah, I haven't done Deadpool. Oh, no. maybe we might have to. Yeah. Well, I've got thoughts about Deadpool. Oh, sure. So, maybe. I had a, I had another thought, but maybe oh, we'll save it well, a little for a little bit later because I like your idea. Okay. So. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our uh, big bonus-sized episode about Avengers Infinity War. It was a bonus-sized movie. That's right. That's for sure. Um, but you can find us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and uh, a lot of other apps uh, on your Android device where you can get a podcast through. Uh, subscribe to us on any of those. Rate and review us. That'd uh, be great. Um, also, I might be changing like who we... Uh, so right now, like uh, we're hosted through SoundCloud. That's who we post the podcast through. Might be changing to a different carrier, uh, but that won't change much of anything for the the listeners you still search for us the same way and you'd find us if we change to uh audio boom i think i'm gonna use but anyway just but look for that i'll talk about that on another podcast should we do that um but find us in all those places uh let us know what you thought about avengers infinity war talking about you travis you can email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com 
suggest a beer for us to drink to in the future or a movie that you think we should check out. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we might have to go see that movie again. I think so. Yeah. So, anyway, but until next week. Go see a movie. And thank you, everyone, for listening.